October 7 through 13 of Morning and Evening Daily Readings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by E. Lee. Morning and Evening Daily Readings by Charles Spurgeon. Morning, October 7. Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? Numbers 11.11 11. Our Heavenly Father sends us frequent troubles to try our faith. If our faith be worth anything, it will stand the test. Guilt is afraid of fire, but gold is not. The paste gem dreads to be touched by the diamond, but the true jewel fears no test. It is a poor faith which can only trust God when friends are true, the body full of health, and the business profitable. But that is a true faith which holds by the Lord's faithfulness when friends are gone, when the body is sick, when spirits are depressed, and the light of our Father's countenance is hidden. A faith which can say in the direst trouble, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, is a heaven-born faith. The Lord afflicts his servants to glorify himself, for he is greatly glorified in the graces of his people, which are his own handiwork. When tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, the Lord is honored by these growing virtues. We should never know the music of the harp if the strings were left untouched, nor enjoy the juice of the grape if it were not trodden in the winepress, nor discover the sweet perfume of cinnamon if it were not pressed and beaten, nor feel the warmth of fire if the coals were not utterly consumed. The wisdom and power of the great workman are discovered by the trials through which his vessels of mercy are permitted to pass present affliction tend also to heighten future joy there must be shades in the picture to bring out the beauty of the lights could we be so supremely blessed in heaven if we had not known the curse of sin and the sorrow of earth will not peace be sweeter after conflict and rest more welcome after toil will not the recollection of past sufferings enhance the bliss of the glorified there are many other comfortable answers to the question with which we opened our brief meditation. Let us muse upon it all day long. Evening, October 7 Now on whom dost thou trust? Isaiah 36, 5 Reader, this is an important question. Listen to the Christian's answer and see if it is yours. On whom dost thou trust? I trust, says the Christian, in a triune God. I trust the Father, believing that he has chosen me from before the foundations of the world. I trust him to provide for me in providence, to teach me, to guide me, to correct me if need be, and to bring me home to his own house, where the many mansions are. I trust the Son very god of very god is he the man christ jesus i trust in him to take away all my sins by his own sacrifice and to adorn me with his perfect righteousness i trust him to be my intercessor 
to present my prayers and desires before his father's throne and i trust him to be my advocate at the last great day to plead my cause and to justify me i trust him for what he is for what he has done and for what he has promised yet to do and i trust the holy spirit he has begun to save me from my inbred sins i trust him to drive them all out i trust him to curb my temper to subdue my will to enlighten my understanding to check my passions to comfort my despondency to help my weakness to illuminate my darkness i trust him to dwell in me as my life to reign in me as my king to sanctify me wholly spirit soul and body and then to take me up to dwell with the saints in light forever o oh, blessed trust to trust him whose power will never be exhausted whose love will never wane whose kindness will never change whose faithfulness will never fail whose wisdom will never be nonplussed and whose perfect goodness can never know a diminution happy art thou reader if this trust is thine so trusting thou shalt enjoy sweet peace now and glory hereafter and the foundation of thy trust shall never be removed morning october eight launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught luke five four we learn from this narrative the necessity of human agency the draught of fishes was miraculous yet neither the fisherman nor his boat nor his fishing tackle were ignored but all were used to take the fishes so in the saving of souls god worketh by means and while the present economy of grace shall stand god will be pleased by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe when god worketh without instruments doubtless he is glorified but he hath himself selected the plan of instrumentality as being that by which he is most magnified in the earth means of themselves are utterly unavailing master we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing what was the reason of this were they not fishermen plying their special calling verily they were no raw hands they understood the work had they gone about the toil unskilfully no had they lacked industry no they had toiled had they lacked perseverance no they had toiled all the night was there a deficiency of fish in the sea certainly not for as soon as the master came they swam to the net in shoals what then is the reason is it because there is no power in the means of themselves apart from the presence of jesus without him we can do nothing but with christ we can do all things christ's presence confers success jesus sat in peter's boat and his will by a mysterious influence drew the fish to the net when jesus is lifted up in his church his presence is the church's power the shout of a king is in the midst of her i if i be lifted up will draw all men unto me let us go out this morning on our work of soul-fishing looking up in faith and around us in solemn anxiety let us toil till night comes and we shall not labor in vain for he who bids us let down the nets will fill it with fishes
Evening, October 8. Praying in the Holy Ghost, Jude 20. Mark the grand characteristic of true prayer in the Holy Ghost. The seed of acceptable devotion must come from heaven's storehouse. Only the prayer which comes from God can go to God. We must shoot the Lord's arrows back to Him. That desire which He writes upon our heart will move His heart and bring down a blessing. But the desires of the flesh have no power with Him. Praying in the Holy Ghost is praying in fervency. Cold prayers ask the Lord not to hear them. Those who do not plead with fervency plead not at all. As well speak of lukewarm fire as of lukewarm prayer. It is essential that it be red hot. It is praying perseveringly. The true supplicant gathers force as he proceeds and grows more fervent when God delays to answer. The longer the gate is closed, the more vehemently does he use the knocker. And the longer the angel lingers, the more resolved is he that he will never let him go without the blessing. Beautiful in God's sight is tearful, agonizing, unconquerable importunity. It means praying humbly, for the Holy Spirit never puffs us up with pride. It is his office to convince of sin, and so to bow us down in contrition and brokenness of spirit. We shall never sing Gloria in excelsis, except we pray to God, De profundis, out of the depths must we cry, or we shall never behold glory in the highest. It is loving prayer. Prayer should be perfumed with love, saturated with love, love to our fellow saints, and love to Christ. Moreover, it must be a prayer full of faith. A man prevails only as he believes. The Holy Spirit is the author of faith and strengthens it so that we pray believing God's promise. Oh, that this blessed combination of excellent graces, priceless and sweet as the spices of a merchant, might be fragrant within us because the Holy Ghost is in our hearts. Most blessed Comforter, exert thy mighty power within us, helping our infirmities in prayer. Morning, October 9 Able to keep you from falling, Jude 24 In some sense, the path to heaven is very safe, but in other respects, there is no road so dangerous. It is beset with difficulties, one false step, and how easy it is to take that if grace be absent, and down we go. What a slippery path is that which some of us have to tread! How many times have we to exclaim with the psalmist, My feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped. If we were strong, sure-footed mountaineers, this would not matter so much, but in ourselves, how weak we are! In the best roads we soon falter, in the smoothest paths we quickly stumble. These feeble knees of ours can scarcely support our tottering weight. A straw may throw us, and a pebble can wound us. We are mere children, tremblingly taking our first steps in the walk of faith. Our Heavenly Father holds us by the arms, or we should soon be down. Oh, if we are kept from falling, how much we bless the patient power which watches over us day by day. 
think how prone we are to sin how apt to choose danger how strong our tendency to cast ourselves down and these reflections will make us sing more sweetly than we have ever done glory be to him who is able to keep us from falling we have many foes who try to push us down the road is rough and we are weak but in addition to this enemies lurk in ambush who rush out when we least expect them and labor to trip us up or hurl us down the nearest precipice only an almighty arm can preserve us from these unseen foes who are seeking to destroy us such an arm is engaged for our defense he is faithful that hath promised and he is able to keep us from falling so that with a deep sense of our utter weakness we may cherish a firm belief in our perfect safety and say with joyful confidence against me earth and hell combine but on my side is power divine jesus is all and he is mine evening october nine but he answered her not a word matthew fifteen twenty three genuine seekers who as yet have not obtained the blessing may take comfort from the story before us the saviour did not at once bestow the blessing even though the woman had great faith in him he intended to give it but he waited a while he answered her not a word were not her prayers good never better in the world was not her case needy sorrowfully needy did she not feel her need sufficiently she felt it overwhelmingly was she not earnest enough she was intensely so had she no faith she had such a high degree of it that even jesus wondered and said o woman great is thy faith see then although it is true that faith brings peace yet it does not always bring it instantaneously there may be certain reasons calling for the trial of faith rather than the reward of faith genuine faith may be in the soul like a hidden seed but as yet it may not have budded and blossomed into joy and peace a painful silence from the saviour is the grievous trial of many a seeking soul but heavier still is the affliction of a harsh cutting reply such as this it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs many in waiting upon the lord find immediate delight but this is not the case with all some like the jailer are in a moment turned from darkness to light but others are plants of slower growth a deeper sense of sin may be given to you instead of a sense of pardon and in such a case you will have need of patience to bear the heavy blow ah poor heart though christ beat and bruise thee or even slay thee trust him though he should give thee an angry word believe in the love of his heart do not i beseech thee give up seeking or trusting my master because thou hast not yet obtained the conscious joy which thou longest for cast thyself on him and perseveringly depend even where thou canst not rejoicingly hope morning october ten faultless before the presence of his glory jude twenty four revolve in your mind that wondrous word faultless 
We are far off from it now, but as our Lord never stops short of perfection in His work of love, we shall reach it one day. The Saviour, who will keep His people to the end, will also present them at last to Himself as a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but holy and without blemish. All the jewels in the Saviour's crown are of the first water and without a single flaw. All the maids of honor who attend the Lamb's wife are pure virgins without spot or stain. But how will Jesus make us faultless? He will wash us from our sins in his own blood until we are white and fair as God's purest angel, and we shall be clothed in his righteousness, that righteousness which makes the saint who wears it positively faultless, yea, perfect in the sight of God. We shall be unblameable and unreprovable even in his eyes. His law will not only have no charge against us, but it will be magnified in us. Moreover, the work of the Holy Spirit within us will be altogether complete. He will make us so perfectly holy that we shall have no lingering tendency to sin. Judgment, memory, will, every power and passion shall be emancipated from the thraldom of evil. We shall be holy even as God is holy, and in His presence we shall dwell forever. Saints will not be out of place in heaven. Their beauty will be as great as that of the place prepared for them. Oh, the rapture of that hour when the everlasting doors shall be lifted up, and we, being made meet for the inheritance, shall dwell with the saints in light. Sin gone, Satan shut out, temptation passed forever, and ourselves faultless before God. This will be heaven indeed. Let us be joyful now as we rehearse the song of eternal praise so soon to roll forth in full chorus from all the blood-washed hosts. Let us copy David's exulting before the ark as a prelude to our ecstasies before the throne. Evening, October 10 And I will deliver thee out of the hand of the wicked, and I will redeem thee out of the hand of the terrible. Jeremiah 15.21 Note the glorious personality of the promise, I will, I will. The Lord Jehovah himself interposes to deliver and redeem his people. He pledges himself personally to rescue them. His own arm shall do it, that he may have the glory. Here is not a word said of any effort of our own which may be needed to assist the Lord. Neither our strength nor our weakness is taken into the account, but the lone eye, like the sun in the heavens, shines out resplendent in all sufficiency. Why then do we calculate our forces and consult with flesh and blood to our grievous wounding? Jehovah has power enough without borrowing from our puny arm. Peace, ye unbelieving thoughts, be still and know that the Lord reigneth. Nor is there a hint concerning secondary means and causes. The Lord says nothing of friends and helpers. He undertakes the work alone and feels no need of human arms to aid him. Vain are all our lookings around to companions and relatives. They are broken reeds if we lean upon them, often unwilling when able, and unable when they are willing. Since the promise comes alone from God, it would be well to wait only upon Him, 
and when we do so our expectation never fails us who are the wicked that we should fear them the lord will utterly consume them they are to be pitied rather than feared as for terrible ones they are only terrors to those who have no god to fly to for when the lord is on our side whom shall we fear if we run into sin to please the wicked we have cause to be alarmed but if we hold fast our integrity the rage of tyrants shall be overruled for our good when the fish swallowed jonah he found him a morsel which he could not digest and when the world devours the church it is glad to be rid of it again in all times of fiery trial in patience let us possess our souls morning october eleven let us lift up our heart with our hands unto god in the heavens lamentations three forty one the act of prayer teaches us our unworthiness which is a very salutary lesson for such proud beings as we are if god gave us favors without constraining us to pray for them we should never know how poor we are but a true prayer is an inventory of wants a catalogue of necessities a revelation of hidden poverty while it is an application to divine wealth it is a confession of human emptiness the most healthy state of a christian is to be always empty in self and constantly depending on the lord for supplies to be always poor in self and rich in jesus weak as water personally but mighty through god to do great exploits and hence the use of prayer because while it adores god it lays the creature where it should be in the very dust prayer is in itself apart from the answer which it brings a great benefit to the christian as the runner gains strength for the race by daily exercise so for the great race of life we acquire energy by the hallowed labor of prayer prayer plumes the wings of god's young eaglets that they may learn to mount above the clouds prayer girds the loins of god's warriors and sends them forth to combat with their sinews braced and their muscles firm an earnest pleader cometh out of his closet even as the sun ariseth from the chambers of the east rejoicing like a strong man to run his race prayer is that uplifted hand of moses which routs the amalekites more than the sword of joshua it is the arrow shot from the chamber of the prophet foreboding defeat to the syrians prayer girds human weakness with divine strength turns human folly into heavenly wisdom and gives to troubled mortals the peace of god we know not what prayer cannot do we thank thee great god for the mercy seat a choice proof of thy marvellous loving-kindness help us to use it aright throughout this day evening october eleven whom he did predestinate them he also called romans eight thirty in the second epistle to Timothy, first chapter and ninth verse, are these words, Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling. Now here is a touchstone by which we may try our calling. It is an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. 
this calling forbids all trust in our own doings and conducts us to christ alone for salvation but it afterwards purges us from dead works to serve the living and true god as he that hath called you is holy so must you be holy if you are living in sin you are not called but if you are truly christ's you can say nothing pains me so much as sin i desire to be rid of it lord help me to be holy is this the panting of thy heart is this the tenor of thy life towards god and his divine will again in philippians three thirteen fourteen we are told of the high calling of god in christ jesus is then your calling a high calling has it ennobled your heart and set it upon heavenly things has it elevated your hopes your tastes your desires has it upraised the constant tenor of your life so that you spend it with god and for god another test we find in hebrews three one partakers of the heavenly calling heavenly calling means a call from heaven if man alone call thee thou art uncalled is thy calling of god is it a call to heaven as well as from heaven unless thou art a stranger here and heaven thy home thou hast not been called with a heavenly calling for those who have been so called declare that they look for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is god and they themselves are strangers and pilgrims upon the earth is thy calling thus holy high heavenly then beloved thou hast been called of god for such is the calling wherewith god doth call his people morning october twelfth i will meditate in thy precepts psalm one hundred nineteen fifteen there are times when solitude is better than society and silence is wiser than speech we should be better christians if we were more alone waiting upon god and gathering through meditation on his word spiritual strength for labor in his service we ought to muse upon the things of god because we thus get the real nutriment out of them truth is something like a cluster of the vine if we would have wine from it we must bruise it we must press and squeeze it many times the bruiser's feet must come down joyfully upon the bunches or else the juice will not flow and they must well tread the grapes or else much of the precious liquid will be wasted so we must by meditation tread the clusters of truth if we would get the wine of consolation therefrom our bodies are not supported by merely taking food into the mouth but the process which really supplies the muscle and the nerve and the sinew and the bone is the process of digestion it is by digestion that the outward food becomes assimilated with the inner life our souls are not nourished merely by listening a while to this and then to that and then to the other part of divine truth hearing reading marking and learning all require inwardly digesting to complete their usefulness and the inward digesting of the truth lies for the most part in meditating upon it why is it that some christians although they hear many sermons make but slow advances in the divine life because they neglect their closets and do not thoughtfully meditate on god's word they love the wheat but they do not grind it they would have the corn but they will not go forth into the fields to gather it the fruit hangs upon the tree but they will not pluck it the water flows at their feet but they will not stoop to drink it 
from such folly deliver us o lord and be this our resolve this morning i will meditate in thy precepts evening october twelfth the comforter which is the holy ghost john fourteen twenty six this age is peculiarly the dispensation of the holy spirit in which jesus cheers us not by his personal presence as he shall do by and by but by the indwelling and constant abiding of the holy ghost who is evermore the comforter of the church it is his office to console the hearts of god's people he convinces of sin he illuminates and instructs but still the main part of his work lies in making glad the hearts of the renewed in confirming the weak and lifting up all those that be bowed down he does this by revealing jesus to them the holy spirit consoles but christ is the consolation if we may use the figure the holy spirit is the physician but jesus is the medicine he heals the wounds but it is by applying the holy ointment of christ's name and grace he takes not of his own things but of the things of christ so if we give the holy spirit the greek name of paraclete as we sometimes do then our hearts confer on our blessed lord jesus the title of paraclesis if the one be the comforter the other is the comfort now with such rich provision for his need why should the christian be sad and desponding the holy spirit has graciously engaged to be thy comforter dost thou imagine o thou weak and trembling believer that he will be negligent of his sacred trust canst thou suppose that he has undertaken what he cannot or will not perform if it be his especial work to strengthen thee and to comfort thee dost thou suppose he has forgotten his business or that he will fail in the loving office which he sustains towards thee nay think not so hardly of the tender and blessed spirit whose name is the comforter he delights to give the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness trust thou in him and he will surely comfort thee till the house of mourning is closed for ever and the marriage feast has begun morning october thirteenth godly sorrow worketh repentance second corinthians seven ten genuine spiritual mourning for sin is the work of the spirit of god repentance is too choice a flower to grow in nature's garden pearls grow naturally in oysters but penitence never shows itself in sinners except divine grace works it in them if thou hast one particle of real hatred for sin god must have given it thee for human nature's thorns never produce a single fig that which is born of the flesh is flesh true repentance has a distinct reference to the saviour when we repent of sin we must have one eye upon sin and another upon the cross or it will be better still if we fix both our eyes upon christ and see our transgressions only in the light of his love true sorrow for sin is eminently practical no man may say he hates sin if he lives in it repentance makes us see the evil of sin not merely as a theory but experimentally as a burnt child dreads fire 
we shall be as much afraid of it as a man who has lately been stopped and robbed is afraid of a thief upon the highway and we shall shun it shun it in everything not in great things only but in little things as men shun little vipers as well as great snakes true mourning for sin will make us very jealous over our tongue lest it should say a wrong word we shall be very watchful over our daily actions lest in anything we offend and each night we shall close the day with painful confessions of shortcoming and each morning awaken with anxious prayers that this day god would hold us up that we may not sin against him sincere repentance is continual believers repent until their dying day this dropping well is not intermittent every other sorrow yields to time but this dear sorrow grows with our growth and it is so sweet a bitter that we thank god we are permitted to enjoy and to suffer it until we enter our eternal rest evening october thirteen love is strong as death song of solomon eight six whose love can this be which is as mighty as the conqueror of monarchs the destroyer of the human race would it not sound like satire if it were applied to my poor weak and scarcely living love to jesus my lord i do love him and perhaps by his grace i could even die for him but as for my love in itself it can scarcely endure a scoffing jest much less a cruel death surely it is my beloved's love which is here spoken of the love of jesus the matchless lover of souls his love was indeed stronger than the most terrible death for it endured the trial of the cross triumphantly it was a lingering death but love survived the torment a shameful death but love despised the shame a penal death but love bore our iniquities a forsaken lonely death from which the eternal father hid his face but love endured the curse and gloried over all never such love never such death it was a desperate duel but love bore the palm what then my heart hast thou no emotion excited within thee at the contemplation of such heavenly affection yes my lord i long i pant to feel thy love flaming like a furnace within me come thou thyself and excite the ardour of my spirit for every drop of crimson blood thus shed to make me live oh wherefore wherefore have not i a thousand lives to give why should i despair of loving jesus with a love as strong as death he deserves it i desire it the martyrs felt such love and they were but flesh and blood then why not i they mourned their weakness and yet out of weakness were made strong grace gave them all their unflinching constancy there is the same grace for me jesus lover of my soul shed abroad such love even thy love in my heart this evening end of october seven through october thirteen